Well, good morning and welcome to New Hope. We're so excited that you're here today, glad that you're here today, that you've chosen today to come and worship our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Uh, if you're here, we're, we welcome you. If you're online, we welcome you. We're just glad that you've joined us to, uh, to worship again, our, our risen Lord and Savior. If you're, if you're a visitor with us today, either in person or online, if you would text the word um, welcome to 704 Four five nine five five seven five, and that should be scrolling across the bottom of your screen. And uh, we just want to get to know you, get to know who our who our guests are, so that we can reach out and, and maybe minister to you in the days to come. Uh, just a, a couple of announcements this morning. We talked last week very briefly about uh, the twenty one days of hope, Easter two thousand twenty one. 21 days of hope. How many of you in here have been on a mission trip of any kind before? Great, a, a number of you have. And so how many of you would like to go on another mission trip? Raise your hand. All right. Everybody should have raised their hands, okay? If you've never been or if you've been before to, to, to participate in this mission trip that we're going to do leading up to Easter, the 21 days leading up to Easter, Everybody can do it. If you're watching online, it's great. If you're here today, um, that's great. If if uh, share this with your Sunday school class, your small groups, your neighbors, whoever it might be. But what we're going to do, it's going to be a digital mission trip, a digital mission trip. And and next week we're going to begin. Uh, it's going to officially kick off on the 14th. But we're going to give some people a an inside track and begin next week. But we're going to give you a, a number that you can text HOPE21 to. And that will put you into the mission trip, into the 21 Days of Hope mission trip. Every day you're going you're gonna to receive an email. It's going to give you something to do. It may be reading through a devotional. It may be praying for somebody, um, offering an invitation to somebody. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to receive hope, and to give hope, allow hope to play through you and to receive hope yourself. Along with those daily emails, you're going to receive an occasional text. It'll kind of uh, reinforce the email that you received that day or the last couple of days just to kind of help you be reminded and keep you on track for the 21 days of hope. And then the second thing, is ultimately it's designed to bring hope to you and through you to bring hope to you and through you. Every day through the email, you're going to receive, uh, maybe it's a devotional for that day, which will be giving hope to you for that day. It might be a, a social media theme for the day where they ask you to go out and, and, and we're going to have some, some things for you to post or post your own uh, post about hope, hope for other people. Um, there may be an opportunity one day to share a faith story, uh, maybe that you've had or that you've talked to in some way, uh, on person or, or in line. Uh, one theme may be a generosity theme, and one theme may be um, just a minister to people around us, maybe offering an encouraging word to someone. Uh, but mobilizing our people to minister to those around us, to serve one another and to serve our community. And third, this is a, a, a God-sized adventure in our, in our community. Something that, that even though this Easter is going to be different, like last Easter was different, 
it can still have a, a huge impact on our community, on our church. Um, and, and so, again, those emails that are going to come out, they're going to uh, give you a devotional. They're going to give you hope. And, uh, again, the, the goal is for you to receive hope and to give hope to other people. Allow God to use you in different ways. And so it begins with hope to you, then ministering to people around you, praying for people, and ultimately inviting people into the Easter of Hope uh, season on Easter Day, Good Friday weekend, and, and, and to lead them into what's to come in this year in Christ. So we're looking forward to that. And, and again, that'll be kicking off next week. And you'll be seeing some more of that on, on, on Wednesday nights. And uh, every time we meet, we're going to be bringing this up, leading us up to Easter. So, again, we're looking forward to that. And be on the watch over the next couple of weeks as this is played out. So, as we continue on with our worship this morning, let's begin with a word of prayer, okay? Father in heaven, we are so grateful, God, that you allowed us to rise this morning. That you allowed us to, uh, to the, the strength and the energy. Uh, to turn on the computer this morning if we're at home, to, to make our way to church if we're here, if we're able to listen to a podcast, whatever it might be. God, we thank you today for allowing us into your presence to hear your word. And God, we come to you this morning to worship you because you are God, the creator of all things, the creator of each one of us, stars and the moons, the heaven and the oceans. And everything in between is yours, God. And we come today worshiping you. And so, Father, during these next moments, we pray that you would take away the, the distractions of the world and the, the activities that we have planned for today and, and this week. God, may our time, may our mind, may our heart and soul be focused on you today. God, that you might speak to us individually for the word that you have for us so that we can become who you want us to be. Our hearts are open, Lord. Speak to us now through your word, through song, and through prayer. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him in the fullness of of who he is, oh man, he, he's, a, he's special. And he gives us life and life abundantly. But you know what? There's a lot of folks that don't know him. There are a lot of folks in our community, in your community, that, that don't know him. We would call them the, the enemies of God, the enemies of, of Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who is the, who is the nicest and kindest person that you know? Think about that. Who is the kindest and, and, and nicest person? Who's the one that has the sweetest personality that you know? Somebody coming to mind? Who's the most caring and loving person that you can think of? The friendliest? The most giving person? What about the one that's the most forgiving Is there by chance that that is one and the same person? 
Did one person come to mind that met all of those criteria? Or perhaps it was a number of different people for, <clears throat> for each one. It, it, even if there was a, a different person for each of those characteristics, it'd be hard to think that that person or, or those people would have enemies, wouldn't it? I mean, the nicest person you know, surely they don't have any enemies. Or, or the friendliest person, surely they don't have any enemies. Yet God who embodies all of these and many more <clears throat> desired characteristics, who's, who's perfect in every way, has a multitude of enemies. The world is filled with, with those that are trying to, at every turn, to get rid of, of God. Everywhere you go, there's people trying, to, trying to, to disprove His Word or belittle His teachings or put question in the minds of believers or maybe remove the Word or the name of God or Jesus from all mention, uh, all aspects of our culture. Or maybe... Maybe they're just attacking those who believe in Him. We see that all of those scenarios quite frequently in our society today, don't we? I heard something this week that uh, it, it, it made me sick on my stomach. It, it really did. It, it gave me a sadness that, that I've not had in a, in a long time. Just a heaviness on my on my heart. But you know, I guess when the reality of something is so blatantly clear that it just strikes you in the face that it hurts. And this happened on the floor of Congress on Thursday. And Representative Greg Stubbe from Florida, he was addressing the Congress about their, the Equality Act. And he said, when, when men or women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they're making a statement that God did not know what He was doing when He created them. The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws are no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against Him and will inevitably bear the consequences. Congressman said, we are seeing the consequences of rejecting God here in our country today. <clears throat> the comment, that comment drew a, a fiery response from Jerry Nadler. And, and to think that what, what, what was absolutely shocking coming from a a national leader from the, from the halls of Congress, on the floor of Congress, where inside their chamber, tattooed across the wall there, <clears throat> they look at it every day, are the words, in God we trust. And listen to the words that he said. He said, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. What any religious tradition 
That means the Judeo-Christian heritage and, and, and foundation that this country was built upon. What any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Folks, this is, is just heartbreaking. And that statement should break the hearts of every believer in this country. Every believer should be heartbroken over what was said. Because you see, not only are we doing away with our Christian heritage and tradition, he's saying it's no longer welcome. And so he clearly set himself up as an enemy of God. But he's only one of many in this world that are an enemy of God. Let me offer a warning to Representative Nadler and to all the others, anyone and everyone that's an enemy of to God or who opposes the gospel teachings of Jesus Christ. This isn't a warning from me, but from the teachings of God Himself. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And, and there's a powerful promise of vengeance in this passage for those who oppose the gospel and those who persecute believers. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 through 12, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we ought always to thank God for you brothers and rightly so because your faith is growing. Your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you have has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecution and trials that you're enduring. All of this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. And He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and, sh and shut out from the, from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you have believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power you may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord. 
Jesus Christ. You see, God promises to those who oppose Him and to those who will ultimately are now and and are ultimately persecuting believers, they will be eternally punished. In verses 6 through 10, he reminds us that in verse 6 that God is just, that God is a just God. He said, and He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those, He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might on His day of coming. That passage that we've, that we've looked at there, that chapter 1 in totality, is dealing with two groups of people. Number one, the believers and the unbelievers. The believers, those are the, the, the Christians in Thessalonica that were, that were being persecuted for their faith. They were going through times of, of trials and tribulations, and we all go through that, don't we? We all go through difficulty. But here Paul is talking about those that are being persecuted for their faith. Those that are being harmed or or taken advantage of, or made fun of, or mocked, or in some way used because they proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And because they were trying to share the gospel with other people. Because they were trying to live a life in the teachings of Christ, they were being persecuted. That's who Paul's talking to. Not necessarily for their trials and tribulations, but for the persecution they were facing for carrying out their faith, for living the godly life that Christ calls us to live. And then he's dealing with the unbelievers. He gives warning about a future to those who who were persecuting the believers and then those who opposed the gospel, which can be one and the same. But he specifically points to those who are persecuting the believers and those who are opposing the gospel. These believers, they were, they were in the midst of, of difficult times due to, uh, again, the persecution that, that they were facing in their faith. And we've been talking about this some recently and on Wednesday nights and, and the last couple of Sunday mornings. And we see how it's increasing more and more. But the unbelievers, the the enemies of God, they have no fear of God. They don't acknowledge God. They have no fear of God or His judgment that's coming, that's promised. They have no consequences for the rebellion that they're carrying out against God. And even though they don't believe in God or or fear God, it's clear that they will one day face the wrath of God. And they will one day, as we all will, kneel before Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord. Amen. We all will. 
And Paul addresses those unbelievers, those that are opposing him and his, and his word. He says in verse 8 and 9, he says, God will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. So it's not a punishment for the here and now. It's not a, to have your wealth taken away here. This is talking about an eternal destruction. We're talking about, you know, we, we talk about people dying. This is an ongoing death for the unbeliever. They never, they never get through hell. They experience hell forever and ever. It says they will be punished in verse 9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of God. They'll be shut out from anything good, anything light, anything righteous. They'll be shut out from God. They'll be shut out from His presence forever. Folks, hell is real. Heaven is real. And, and we will make a decision where we spend that eternity. If we accept Jesus as Lord, it will be in heaven. If we reject Jesus, if we oppose the gospel, you'll be spending hell, eternity in hell. And God, that's a promise from God. And today, just as it was when, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem throughout His life, even today, Jesus is is being mocked and scorned and ridiculed and blasphemed and rejected everywhere we go. Turn on the internet, open the paper, read a magazine, walk down the street, and you see it being lived out right before our eyes. No, oh, but when He returns, when He returns, those who oppose God will see Him in all of His glory, amen, and all of His mighty power. This is going to be revealed to everyone. See, things are going to be different when He comes a second time. It's going to be way different than it was the second time. He's not going to come riding into town on a donkey. Oh no, He's going to be riding a great white horse on the clouds, amen? He's not coming as a lowly carpenter, but as a risen conqueror and king. He won't be weeping, He'll be coming with a shout, amen? He's not coming for those who rejected Him this time. He's coming for those who have indeed received Him. He's not coming to redeem mankind, but to rule over Him. Amen. He won't be mocked this time. Oh no. He's not going to be mocked this time. When He returns, He will put His enemies under His feet. This time, men won't put Him to death. He will destroy His enemies. This time He's not coming as a, as a lowly Nazarene. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. He is going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And He's going to be coming in all of His glory. Everyone will acknowledge Him as Lord. And so let me ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready? If the clouds burst open today, would you be ready? Would you welcome Him? Or, or, or will it be a time of, Lord, wait just a moment? There'll be no moment to wait. When the time comes, the time comes. You either make that decision now in this life, or you pay for that decision for all of eternity. Are you ready?
again, in recent weeks, we've been, we've been talking about the, the Christian persecution in this country and how it's increasingly weak, increasing week by week, not only in this country, but, but around the world, but yet even in the midst of the persecution, the church is growing. The believers are, are coming to, to the knowledge of faith in exponential numbers. And Paul tells the, 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 the believers in Thessalonica, he says, keep on. Keep on in your faith. Keep on persevering in your faith. And that's his word for us today. Folks, we don't really know what persecution is yet. We don't really know what it is to live a hard life as a Christian. And so we need to prepare ourselves spiritually for when that time comes. We need to be ready for when that time comes because it is coming quickly. It's coming. That was Paul's word to them to, to keep on in your faith. And it's a word to us today. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the second part of verse 3 and 4, he says, because your faith is growing more and more. Okay, so right there he's telling us even in the midst of the persecution, their faith is still growing. And it says, and the love you have for one another is increasing. So they're leaning on each other, okay? They're encouraging each other. They've grown closer together as a body of believers through their persecution. And then he picks up in verse 4 and says, Therefore, among God's churches, we must boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecution and trials you're enduring. So again, notice how much or, or, or how the church in Thessalonica is described. They're, they're living as one. They're living in, in one accord, li living in, in close fellowship with one another. It says that their love for one another is growing. There wasn't the quarrels there. And because they've been faithful through their persecution, their faith is growing. You know, there's sometimes, there, 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 there's some things that will, that we'll never experience unless we go through those hard times. Even in the midst of tribulation and trials and persecution. You see, it's often in those times that we find out who our real friends are. We find out in, in those times how strong we are. to endure things we never thought we would be able to. It's in those times of, of difficulty that, we've, that we understand better the faithfulness of God and how He's faithful to us. And it's in those times of persecution, it's in those times of trials that our faith, that we grow in our faith. Because we've seen God work time and again throughout that issue in our life. Paul reminds them and he reminds us that, that vengeance is the Lord's. That payback is the Lord's. It's, it's not theirs. It's not ours. It, it's the Lord. And, and I'm going to tell you, that's a hard thing for me sometimes. It? Is it for you? When, when, when somebody does something wrong to you, 
Mm. <laughs> that might not be good. But we've got to remember in those times that, that the payback, that the vengeance is God's, it's the Lord's, it's not ours. He says to, to keep the faith in God and let God take care of the revenge. And so he's telling the people in Thessalonica, even though you're being persecuted by the unbelievers, don't lash out at them, but let God pay them back. You might try to right the wrongs, but the payback is for God. Not for us. Paul reminds them and us that no enemy of the gospel, nothing, no person, nothing can deprive a believer of the kingdom of God. Amen? God says, I've got you in the, in the grip of my hand and nothing can take you from me. If you truly confessed your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you renounced your sinfulness and you accepted forgiveness and you accepted the Lord into your heart authentically, then your name is written in the, Lord, in, the, in the Lamb's book of life and nothing in this world can take you from it. Is your name written in that book? Have you done that today? You see, the rewards for the believers, we're not going to be rewarded in this lifetime. But God tells us that the rewards of the believer and the punishment for the unbeliever will be handed out upon the Lord's return. And so He's telling us and He's telling them, be faithful. Things may get hard, things may get difficult, but be faithful to the end. Finish the race. Stay strong until the end. Because God is a just God, it says in verse 6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief or rest to those who trouble you and to us as well. That word relief or the word rest there, however your translation might be, that relief is from the bondage of, of the earthly issues, from the earthly enemies that, that attack us. And so when trying to understand that terminology or phrase of, of rest or relief, you've all seen a bow and arrow. Some of you hunt with them. But you put the arrow in and, and you pull it back and that stress that's on the bow, on the string, that's what he's talking about we live in today. And, and, and the stress from the, from the enemies is, is, is like the string of the bow. And what happens when you let that string go? That string relaxes, doesn't it? And, and, and that's what he's talking about here. In eternity we will experience that rest and that relief that's described by the Lord Jesus. You see, the unbelievers will be separated from God and destroyed. This warning is for those who oppose God, who, who come against God, those who are His enemies. And those, the, the warning is for those who reject the gospel of Christ, who play against and take war against the gospel. This warning is for them. And so let me ask you today, are you an enemy of God by, by the fact that you've rejected Jesus? Or that you oppose the gospel? 
Are you an enemy of God because you go against Him in life? Or have you chosen Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you His friend? In James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy to God. He goes on in verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And James pleads with the enemies of God in verse, verse 7 and 8 in, in James chapter 4. He says, submit yourselves. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. And he goes on in verse 10 and tells us to humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. See, this whole passage in, in 2 Thessalonians and, and, in, and in James, the core of it is humbling ourselves for the Lord. Submit to the Lord. You know, it's, it's not a good thing. Submit is not a good word in, in our world today is it people don't like the fact that they need to submit to somebody but submission is a welcome uh, a welcome word to the ears of Jesus the truth is Christ brings freedom to us when we submit to him he tells us to draw near to God drawing near to God is an act of of intimacy it it's about talking to God and, and listening for His voice. Spending time in His Word, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through His Word. It's not simply just showing up and getting a check mark for being at church. It means turning from our selfish desires and seeking after what God wants for us. He tells us to submit ourselves. He tells us to draw near to God and number three, He tells us to humble ourselves before God. You see, God loves humility, and He can do a lot with a contrite heart. He can do a lot with a heart that's given over to Him. And He calls us to confess our sins before Him and ask for forgiveness and ask for that cleansing power in our life to exchange our selfishness for what Christ wants. Because you see, the more we yield to the Spirit of God, the more we yield to Him, the less we'll be moved by the forces of darkness. The more we give in to Him, the less the, the evil one has an impact on us. And so as a, as a believer, instead of fearing what's coming, Instead of fearing the, the persecution and the trials and tribulations that might be coming, we're to be faithful to the end. And as believers, as believers, we need to be fervently praying for the lost. We need to be specifically praying for those that we know are enemies of God. 
those that are coming against the gospel, those who make fun of us in our, in our religious beliefs, you know who they are in, in your world, in your work, in your play. You see them on TV. You read about them in the newspaper. You might even have meals with them in your family. You see, as believers, we need to pinpoint those people and specifically name them and lift them up before the Lord that God might begin a a work in their life, that God might draw them to Himself. Because the decisions we make today about Jesus will determine our eternity. The decisions we make about Jesus in this world will determine where we spend eternity. And again, we don't know when that day will be for us. So maybe the, may the enemies of God be reminded that those who reject Him, those who live against Him, those who persecute His children, those who oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will endure His undiluted wrath for all of eternity. But Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? Praise God for that. And so, as I close up today, I want to ask you, have you given your heart to God? Have you given your heart over to God? Are you still living for yourself? Are you living a life in opposition to the ways of of God? If you are, you're an enemy of God. And if you are, you're, you're destined to eternal damnation. But if you've given your heart to Christ, those who belong to Him will experience that eternal peace and that unspeakable joy forever and ever. During our hymn of invitation, the hymn is called, I Give You My Heart. I want to ask you this morning that that if you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, that you would do so today. That you would simply offer a prayer up to the Lord saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that you are the Lord of all. And Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord the Lord of my life forever and ever. And if you've done that, you will know where you spend eternity. If you're living today as a a believer, I want to encourage you during our our hymn of invitation to come and and pray for our nation. To come and, and pray specifically for the enemies of God that you know of that you would intentionally and and name them one by one up to the Lord and say, Lord, here that person is. I need a mighty work done in their life. I'm coming on their behalf. Who is it in, in your life that God wants you praying for? 
Who is it in your life that God is wanting to save? You come this morning and, and offer your prayers or offer your life to the Lord. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are aware of the enemies that are around us, your enemies that are around us. And God, we acknowledge today that we're not perfect in, in any way, by any stretch of the imagination. And so first of all, God, we ask and we seek forgiveness for ourselves. We ask, Lord, that you would make us right before you. We thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus who does that, who allows forgiveness to come our way, who gives us the hope of a resurrected life with you. And Father, we lift up our nation to you. We lift up your enemies around the world who are battling against you and against the gospel, who are persecuting the believers, even in our own city. Father, may you hear our prayers as we pray for salvation and as we pray for our nation, as we pray for your enemies. Hear our prayers, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.